You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, welcome to our Palm Sunday service. I want to preach to you today about the power of Palm Sunday, the power of Palm Sunday. There are some principles behind Palm Sunday that are very relevant to you today. Indeed, this day does have great historical significance, but did you know that it could also have ramifications for your life right now? What's more, it has profound implications for the soon appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. As we will see, God had an appointed time scheduled to visit the people of Israel with an unprecedented opportunity, but they missed it. In fact, Jesus wept, wept, he cried, he was brokenhearted over the fact that Israel missed it. And in Luke 19.44, the Bible says how that they knew not the time of their visitation. Jesus said with tears down his face, they knew not the time of their visitation. God had this time appointed, but these people missed it. And when we think about this appointed time, did you know that today could be a day and a time that's appointed for you? A day before you were ever born that God had picked out for you to hear the glorious message of the gospel and accept Christ to save you if you don't already know Him today. A time of your visitation, a time when the Lord comes by your way, a pivotal moment in your life and in the history of your family when the power of Palm Sunday can make an eternal difference in your life. Now, think with me just for a moment as we think about the Gospels, uh, the lives of people who were immediately changed when Jesus passed by, when Jesus came to town. The blind and the bound, the lame and the lonely, the prostitute and the priest, all found uh, or were found by the grace, love, and mercy of Almighty God. So Palm Sunday illustrates the absolute precision and the pinpoint accuracy and harmony of the Scripture. The, the Bible has withstood any scrutiny throughout the ages because it is indeed the very Word of God. And for anyone who sincerely seeks the truth, I mean, one that can divorce themselves from any bias and just seek the truth as they go into the Word of God, they may find the life-changing power of the inspired Word of God. And so with that in mind, I want to give you several thoughts on Palm Sunday, and I want to get to the power of Palm Sunday but let's read in Matthew 21 and read about this uh, Palm Sunday when the Lord entered Jerusalem. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, the Bible says, And they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you straightway, Ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man shall say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. 
All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. That's Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Verse 6, And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, which means save now. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Uh, just an interesting thing here. When the Bible says that the city was moved, we get our word seismic from the word that's used for moved right there. It was like an earthquake uh, of, uh, of, of action, of the moving of the city. And the Bible says, and the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So as we consider these uh, verses, I want to consider, uh, kind of take us back to that Palm Sunday, this triumphal entry when Jesus entered into the city. One thing that you need to be uh, aware of is that this was a day and in a, in a week that was celebrated every week by, or every year by the Jews. <clears throat> this is the Passover week. And so this song that's raised by the multitude in verse number 9 when they say Hosanna uh, to, the, you know, to, the, uh, to the Son of David and the highest and so forth, that, that actually was sung every year as 250,000 faithful uh, Jews would stream into Jerusalem from all the corners of the world. Every year, they would come in and this song would be sung. And I, I just like sharing this. And I, this, may, would, this could possibly be a fun exercise to do there with your family. Uh, you could argue it'd be a corny exercise, but it'd be an interesting exercise because here's what they would do year after year, year according to Jewish tradition. Uh, that Psalm 118, verses 25 through 28. If you remember, Psalms is the Hebrew hymn book. And so they would, as they would come into Jerusalem, they would uh, interactively sing this song. And the citizens of Jerusalem, as the pilgrims would pour in from all over, would sing the first part of each verse between 25 and 28. And the pilgrims would sing back the second part of the verse. And I'll give you an example. So the very first thing, the citizens would say, Save now, or Hosanna, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Then the pilgrims that were coming into town would say, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Then the citizens would sing back and say, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Then the pilgrims would sing back, We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And this would go on all the way through the verses. And then when they got to verse 29 of Psalm 118, they would sing this verse in unison. And they would together say, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And then they would add Psalm 103, verse 17. 
But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. So that was something that was, according to Jewish tradition, was done every year that they were able to actually able to come back and celebrate the Passover there in Jerusalem. But there was something very different about this Palm Sunday. There was something really powerful. There was something very seismic about this Palm Sunday uh, that we read about in Matthew 21. And the thing that made it different, of course, wasn't really a thing. It was a person. Uh, but as we think about that, Jesus coming in, this triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, I want to point out three things about uh, this powerful and the power of Palm Sunday. Number one, I want to point out the origin of this Palm Sunday, the origin. In other words, this Palm Sunday didn't just happen to be different from the others. No, there's a prophecy that told us that this one would be different. It was foretold. Nothing speaks louder than the timing of Palm Sunday. And I mentioned earlier about the accuracy of the Word of God, and this is just a great il illustration of that. The arrival of Jesus on the 10th of Nisan, which is the, the Jewish month Nisan, which on the Julian calendar is Sunday, April the 6th of A.D. 32, this is one of the greatest moments of all history. Jesus hit Jerusalem once again with pinpoint accuracy. Jesus came on the very day and the very hour that God had appointed for his presentation to the nation and to the world as his Passover lamb and as the king. It was an exact fulfillment of a precise prophecy. And with divine accuracy and incredible timing, Jesus came on Palm Sunday, the week before resurrection morning. If you will note the amazing accuracy of God's perfect plan for the arrival of Jesus, you can find this over in the book of Daniel, chapter number 9, in verse number 24 through 27. The Bible says this, 70 weeks and... Uh, I, I, of course, I encourage you to study all this, but what you'll find out is that these 70 weeks are heptads. These are uh, seven-year uh, prophetical years. Each year represents, <clears throat> each week represents a period of seven years you know, on the prophetic calendar. And, uh, but so 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, 490 years, and upon thy holy city from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto the Messiah. And Messiah, uh, that's, you put that word in the New Testament, it's Christ. It's an interchangeable word, Messiah and Christ. It means the anointed one. And so Messiah and Christ are interchangeable words. So from uh, the, to build Jerusalem unto the Christ or to the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks. And threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after threescore and two weeks, shall Messiah, shall Christ, be cut off, which speaks of death. He shall be cut off, but it adds this, but not for himself. Not for himself. See, the prophetic period terminated at the time when Jesus offered himself uh, for reception as the king of Israel. 
And this took place 483 years to the day that Xerxes issued the command. You can study this uh, in secular history as well as the Bible. 483 years from the day that uh, Xerxes commanded that they could go rebuild the city of Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter number 2. So instead of being crowned when Jesus came in on this Sunday because He is the rightful King, He's presenting Himself as a King as He comes in. Instead of being crowned, He was crucified. Why? Because Israel rejected Him. So we see the origin of Palm Sunday. This Palm Sunday had been on God's calendar. This Palm Sunday could have been written on the Jews' calendar uh, for over 400 years. But again, sadly, many of them missed it. So we see the origin of Palm Sunday, but then I want to talk a little bit more about this, the offering of Palm Sunday. See, God revealed to, uh, to the very day that Messiah or Christ would come. But why this day? Why that Palm Sunday? Why that particular day? And so we'll see this as we consider the offering of Palm Sunday, the origin of Palm Sunday, the offering of Palm Sunday. See, over uh, 250,000 lambs were brought or purchased to be slain during this week. The whole city was united in, with one eager purpose, to fulfill what God had commanded Moses almost 15 centuries before in Exodus chapter number 12 concerning the Passover lamb. His coming follows precisely what had been decided 1,500 years before by Moses. See, our Passover, who had had to enter in, he entered in on the 10th day of Nisan. And this is an awesome thing, because if you go back to Exodus chapter number 12 with the Passover, the lambs were brought in on the 10th day. They were brought into the house on the 10th day of Nisan, the exact same day. So while Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, people were bringing their lambs to Jerusalem as well. And they would keep those Passover lambs for four days, and then on that fourth day they would sacrifice that lamb. And so, but Jesus is the Lamb of God, therefore He came on the exact same day that those other lambs were coming, but He is the Lamb. So, uh, and, and the cool thing is also, we mentioned uh, Matthew 21, verse number 9, the way that He would come was exactly stated 500 years before when Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And so 500 years before this Palm Sunday, God said exactly how it would come to pass. So both state how he, would be, how he would come as a lamb and as the king, as the lamb and as the lion. So you can see God's perfect plan when you consider this Palm Sunday. But uh, he came as a lamb to lay down his life, but he's coming again to fulfill that final seven, uh, after the fulfillment of that final seven years, he will return and set up his kingdom on this earth. Uh, but that would make the entry of, of Christ into Jerusalem again the same day that the Passover lamb would, would enter the homes. 
Thus, intriguingly, Jesus entered the home and heart of His people, Jerusalem, as their Passover lamb to be slain on their behalf. His crucifixion, four days later, would result in a perfect fulfillment of the Passover lamb. That, that was when they also were killing the other lambs. So as Jesus was giving his life as the Lamb of God on the cross, across Jerusalem, those other lambs were being killed as well. That's an amazing thing to consider uh, how much God tied this all together. So he, as, as he was crucified, the blood of thousands of lambs were pouring down the temple, sacrificial areas, and streaming down into the Kidron Valley. In fact, I love the way John the Baptist introduced the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, verse 29, when he says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Once again, in verse 36 of John 1, he calls him the Lamb of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He's our Passover. What's the whole point of the Passover? Well, that kind of leads to my final point. We see the origin of this Palm Sunday. We see, the, uh, we see the sacrifice, the offering of this Palm Sunday. And then lastly, we see the opportunity of Palm Sunday. The power of Palm Sunday, it's in its origin, it's in its offering, and it's in the opportunity that it presents. As Jesus entered in this day, the nation of Israel had an opportunity. They could have accepted Him as their King. But what we find out is they did not accept Him. You say, well, wait a second. They were all singing and, and praising Him and saying, you know, blessed is He that comes in the name of David and so forth. Uh, but th there were some people that were willing to receive Him. But much like others in the, that believed in Him in the New Testament or in the gospel times, including the disciples, they thought Jesus was going to set up His earthly kingdom right then and there. They were not prepared for Jesus to lay down His life first. See, in other words, he wasn't the type, type of Savior that they have in mind. So they rejected him as their king. They said, well, we don't want this. So as a nation, they rejected him. See, he came to Jerusalem right on time. He did his part, but the nation failed to do their part. And I want to say this. Not only was it an opportunity for the nation of Israel during this time, but I want to say also it's an opportunity for you today. Our opportunity. See, the fact is that Jesus coming, dying on the cross, I mean, going through all He went through, He went through that for us. He did that to bear our sins. He is the Lamb of God. The Bible tells us that he was beaten with the cat of nine tails, having his beard ripped out. They put the crown of thorns upon the Lord Jesus Christ's head and then smote him over the head with the reed as those thorns went down into his brow. I mean, listen, he was nailed to an old rugged cross and there he hung for, I believe it was six hours, he hung on that cross. I mean, being beaten to a bloody pulp. Why? Because he took my sins and he took your sins upon himself. 
He died for us. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And one of, one of the most horrific things that happened to Jesus on the cross was not even from the physical side, which we emphasize so much this time of year, but I tell you it was from the spiritual side. It was the, the moment when Jesus cried out and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why would the Father turn His back on God the Son? Because God the Son bore our sins. Our sins were placed on Him. And I'm telling you, even the Son refused to shine in the very middle of the day as God the Father had to turn His back on God the Son as He carried our sins. See, He did that for us. But I'm telling you, His blood, His love, His grace was powerful enough to absorb those sins, amen, and to be able to forgive us of those sins. I mean, listen, He died there for you, and He died on that cross for me. But I'm glad that's not the end of the story, is it? Three days later, we know He rose again for our justification. But just think about it. God had Palm Sunday planned for the nation of Israel, as we just read, before they were ever a nation. He planned and organized it down to the minute second that He would come in. Yet, they simply rejected Him. They rejected His grace. They rejected His mercy. Again, why? They thought things were pretty good the way that they were. See, they were under Roman rule, but Rome was allowing them to operate. They had a certain amount of, the, the religious leaders had a certain amount of influence politically with the Romans. They let them have a lot of uh, freedom within the Roman government. And so they said, you know what? Sure, you could come be our king, but really things are going pretty good under Rome right now. I mean, that sounds pretty terrible, but that's really at the heart of this. The, the bottom line is this. They didn't want to change. They did not want a Savior. They did not want a Messiah that was going to come and change things. Now, whether you realize it or not, whether you really want it or not, whether you would admit it or not, one of the greatest things you may need today is a change. Is a change. And I'm not talking about just some, you know, turning over and you leave type of change. I'm talking about a transformation. I'm talking about the power of God Almighty. The Bible compares conversion to when the Lord spoke and said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God brought everything out of nothing. The Bible compares conversion to that, saying that He spoke into our hearts, and He's able to make something out of nothing. We need, we need something transformative. The Bible says you're a new creation, a new creature in Christ when you're saved. That's powerful. And that's what you need, amen? And some people say, the, the, the Jews, they didn't want to change. The problem with a lot of people out there today is they don't want to change. But I'm telling you, sometimes God will bring you to a place in your life to where you start to realize something needs to change. Now, some of you have maybe tried religion before. And so you're listening to me, so that's a blessing. But if you're not careful, you can say, you know, I've tried religion before and it didn't really help. Didn't really help. That's because religion doesn't help. Jesus helps, amen? Knowing Christ, a personal relationship with Him, amen? I mean, listen, it's not some 12-step plan or anything. It's just simply turn and call on the name of the Lord and He'll save your soul. And it doesn't mean the battle's over. It doesn't mean the difficulties are over. But it does mean that there's an opportunity for God to make a change. He wants to be the king of your life, amen? He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your king. You have an opportunity, 
Because I can tell you today with absolute certainty that Jesus loves you. I can tell you with absolute certainty that it is His will today for you to hear this message and for you to humble yourself and to call on His name. I can tell you that today. Why? Because the Bible says now is the accepting time. Today is the day of salvation. He wants to save you. He wants to take away your sin. He wants to, to, wants to fill that deep void inside that alcohol will not fill. You know, I, I've heard recently during the pandemic and people being shut in a lot how that alcohol sales have skyrocketed. I'm telling you, alcohol will not fill that void. It may seem like it fills that void for a brief time, but I'm telling you, you know as well as I know if you're drinking and if you're consuming alcohol, you know there comes a time, man, when you, when you wake up or when you uh, are, are done with the buzz or whatever, man, deep inside, you're, you're left feeling emptier than you were before. That's not working. See, there's a void inside of you that cannot be filled by alcohol, by drugs, by religion, by anything else, but by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to fill that void. It's just like, it's, it's kind of like your heart is like a puzzle piece. If you've ever worked a puzzle, uh, which depending on your age, maybe you never have, but if you ever work a puzzle, there's all these little pieces that you put together and they fit together. And finally you get down to the puzzle and you have one last piece to put in. You can't just pick some random piece of another puzzle and put it in there. There's only one piece that can complete it. And that's how your life is today. There is a puzzle piece. There is a hole in your heart that's shaped like Jesus, so to speak. And that's the only thing that's going to complete you. So you're looking for completion in all these other things, but you'll only ever find it in Christ. See, that's the opportunity that we're talking about. There's an opportunity to get things right with God Almighty. There's an opportunity to have your sins washed away. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your friend. Amen. He wants you to be done with guilt. He wants you to be done with loneliness. He wants all that to be a thing of the past. He wants you to live a victorious life. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have hope. He has all of this that He offers. But you've got to take advantage, amen? And so the question is this. I started off the message by saying Palm Sunday is very relevant to you today. The power of Palm Sunday is in this opportunity. It's in the origin, it's in the offering, but it's in this opportunity. But it's up to you whether or not you will accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. It's up to you whether you will accept Him as your King. Listen, you can, you can think that if you just let, let things keep on going like they're going, it's all going to work out. But I want to tell you, the Jews, their thing didn't last too long. They thought, no, we're pretty good here under Rome. It didn't last. Let me tell you something, folks. There's pleasure in sin, but the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. It doesn't last very long. But I'm telling you, what you can find in the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, I'm telling you, it's something that will last forever. Praise God. It's wonderful to know Him today. And I hope today, if you aren't saved, take advantage of this opportunity. He's coming through your life today, amen? He's coming down the streets of your soul and the airways and giving you the opportunity to hear about Him. And perhaps He's speaking to your heart today. 
And perhaps today you realize that this is what you need to do. You need Jesus in your life. You've tried religion. Religion doesn't work. You need Jesus. You know what the Bible says? With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So how can I be saved? Believe. You say, oh, I believe. Well, all these people obviously believe too. But they believed in their heads, not with their hearts. See, it doesn't just mean to acknowledge that He is Christ or that He will save. It's to trust Him and only Him, to believe on Him. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you be willing to turn to Him today? From your heart, would you be willing to cry out today? Would you be willing to say this prayer from your heart? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I pray you'll forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior and be my King. Lord, save me today, I ask you, in Jesus' name. And I want you to add to that, if you prayed that prayer and you can say this, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Help me to be the witness that you'd have me to be. Help me, God, to spread the hope and love of Christ as you would have me to share it. Well, I thank you for joining us for this Palm Sunday. Be sure and tune in next week on Easter Sunday. We're going to have some uh, special things involved in the live broadcast that day, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So please tune in. Tell somebody else to tune in on uh, Easter Sunday at 11 o'clock uh, Central Time, and we will be on uh, with our midweek service at 7 o'clock as well. So until then, God bless you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you then.